And then they tell me that I have done a displacement fracture on my scaphoid bone. Welcome to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. In today's episode, I'll be chatting to current Falling Star Wrestling Limitless Champion, the spring Jack Landers. Flying solo today is your host, that's me, that's me, it's Patrick Vincent Crown, or more commonly known as PVC. As you heard there in the cold open, Jack has sustained an injury, so we'll be chatting about that in the show. We also cover his matches with Callie Gray and Smashing Mike, and Jack's recent change of name from Hammer to Landers. If you are desperate for some live wrestling action, well, do not fear, as we are back on Saturday 13th of November at the Wesleyan Sports and Social Club in Kings Lynn. Our main event for the evening is our massive five-on-five elimination tag team match. Ten wrestlers, two teams, but only one winner. Now let's jump into today's episode, chatting to Jack Landers. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined on the Falling Star Wrestling podcast by the current reigning and defending Falling Star Wrestling Limitless champion. We have Jack Landers on the line. How you doing, buddy? Hey, man, it's great to be back. I'm looking forward to doing this podcast. Hopefully we'll get some interesting stuff said. I'm looking forward to it. Exactly. So the last time that you were on the podcast, you were indeed Jack Hammer, but you've had a a slight transition into a a new direction. You are currently Jack Landers. Can you kind of talk us through the sort of evolution of yourself and your character and how that kind of came about, please? Um, Yeah, um, of course. So basically the whole idea behind the um, character change in a larger sense was a um to make myself more marketable obviously like i've been wrestling for a long time even though i'm quite young and for a long time i did wrestle as jack hammer which it worked for what i was doing in fsw you know it was it was almost comedic you know like you know jack hammer you think like goldberg big buff guy and then out comes a little kid but obviously in lockdown you know i really tried to you know change myself physically um and think about like what I want to get out of the business. Cause really I want to do this as a professional thing. I'd like to make a living out of this. And I kind of thought, well, I need something that's a bit more mature. Um, something that's a little bit more serious. You know, you can read it on a bill and think like, okay, maybe that's someone who can do something. Um, and then obviously to think of a new name, cause like, oh, if you've ever had to do it, I like, think of names is really hard sometimes. Like as you had it with um, the disaster artist, you know, your tag team with Jimmy. Um, sometimes it is very hard to come up with a good name. So I kind of thought, okay, you know, what's me you know what makes me different everyone else and i kind of thought about you know well i want to take like kind of like a metal persona i want to take that part of me and sort of make it like into my character so i looked at um bands i liked and um i looked at their names and one of the um a guitarist in a band i really like his name's paul landers of ramstein i thought that's a really cool name and it kind of um has a nice ring to it so i decided to take that on you think about it is like being like written in lights and i thought that sounds quite cool i feel like that that's a name that's a lot more as i said it's a lot more marketable um it just makes me more serious it makes me more of a viable commodity to promoters so i thought yeah i'll give that a go and it's well it's worked since i think like things have been on the up and up so 
think it's working. Oh, most definitely. It's one of those things. And I think it didn't come out of nowhere. Like having that time off during lockdown, it's almost like you you kind of grew up and you matured into the Jack Landers character. You, you kind of went into lockdown as, you know, Jack Hammer, the sort of the young upstart, the Fallen Stars, Spring-Heeled character. And then people didn't see you for like a year, year and a half. And it wasn't so odd when you came back, you know, into the Falling Star Wrestling ring and you're announced as Jack Landers, you know, obviously we were still getting used to calling you Jack Landers. You know, a <laughs> yeah. few Jack Hammers slipped in there a few times. But yeah, when you came out as Jack Landers and, you know, obviously you changed your look a bit more, you got a little bit more muscular, you came out to different music, you sort of like held yourself slightly differently. I think that was very advantageous for you. And I didn't know that was, um, your last name was kind of named after the, the Rammstein guitarist. That's really, really cool. And yes, I do know what you mean in, in terms of trying to pick a name because it's one of those things where I'm, I'm sure when you when you first kind of came up with a Jack Hammer thing it was like uh my first name's Jack I can't really use my last name it doesn't really ring off the bell doesn't would you like, like a- to know the um would you like to know the actual story about how I got the name oh most definitely yeah that's what we're here um, the story so <laughs> this um so the name Jack Hammer came from a wrestling name generator <laughs> I'm not joking you there it literally <laughs> did I um when I, you got mine, I have my first like match on academy shows and stuff when I was like 10, 11. So I literally like, there's like websites, you can go online, just go wrestling name generator and you just type in your normal name. So Jack and then my um, shoot surname, shush. Um, <laughs> and then and it came up with disco Jackhammer. Um, I'm not a good dancer. So I got rid of disco and just kept <laughs> Jackhammer and that it stuck for when it did stick. Oh, yeah, that is the story. Mate. It is from a wrestling name generator. Imagine if you'd have kept the disco part. Oh, how different your career could have been. Instead of like the spring heel, you could have been like, I don't know, like the Cuban heel dancing Jack Landers hammer, whatever. <laughs> disco Inferno, <laughs> but somehow even worse. <laughs> <laughs> like a high-flying Disco Inferno. I don't know. Yeah, oh, the possibility. In an alternate universe where the multiverse branches off, when you click that mm. name and it came up Disco Jack Hammer, like, oh, the possibilities could have been could have been pretty crazy. But that that's really interesting because, like we touched on, uh, coming up with the tag team name between myself and Jimmy, uh, the Disaster Artist, I, had, I actually did do a lot of that, you know, not necessarily like wrestling generators, but like, you know, kind of D&D role play things. They have various things. You could just type it into Google and they're like, all right, you give us the parameters of what you think the thing should be and you know they'll they'll just spit out a name but for us we didn't really have kind of that beginning thing we had like the last names but we didn't really want to be like one of those tag teams where it's like oh you're just star and crown you know put a thing on the end connection express blah 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 we want to be like Mm. something that kind of joins both characters together and and makes it unique rather than just star crown crown star jimmy or yeah you know pvc stars you know something like that where it just takes kind of no effort uh so yeah i did go into those generators and so, some of the interesting ones that did come up and i think uh at one point i messaged jimmy and i probably had about 40 different ideas of just all these things like linking crowns and stars and different kind of things that encompass art exhibition blah 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 we came up with some really dumb ones but you know that, i suppose that's that's the weeding out process and the creative process that people go through you know becoming a wrestler so if you put that name into the into the generator it came out with disco jack hammer you dropped the disco you debuted when you were you say 10 years old i'm not certain I, it was either 10 or 11 keep in mind these were just like academy shows they weren't like you know like our big Lynn sports or anything. So it was the plan to kind of use that 
as a not as a stopgap, but as something just just to kind of get you going, get the crowd uh, sort of into it. And then you knew later on that you would have to kind of not have to, because you probably could have used the Jack Hammer name, you know, until you're 20, 30 years old, like people would get it. But was was it all the, always the plan to to change names and sort of take that kind of more mature and, and different uh, approach to the to the name and gimmick? I would say like for a long time, no, because obviously when you like first start wrestling, you know, you're just happy to be there, you know, just like the idea of getting in front of an audience and performing is like mesmerizing. So I was just really happy with doing that, especially you got to think how young I was. But again, as you know, lockdown came around and stuff like that, you know, I did a lot of thinking about, like, as I said, what do I want out of this business? Because as you know, some people make it a full-time career and live off it. And some people want to just, you know, wrestle on the weekends or, you know, have a little certain goal within their home promotions to work for a few promotions or whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. We all have different levels as to where we want to get in this business. And I thought, okay, I want the top. I want to work for the biggest companies in the world and make a living off it. So I kind of thought, okay, so I need to do everything now to put myself in that position so that I can do it. And to me, the name change just seemed like a very good starting point to go from there. And the the character thing, you didn't want to go kind of over the top with, with your character. You want to just kind of incorporate something that you love, you know, in your in your real day-to-day life. You're a bit of a metalhead. You love, you know, kind of extreme using and stuff. Was that sort of a natural fit for you? Or did you, you know, workshop other ideas? Did you want to be this type of character or more of a, a, a different kind of thing or more over the top or did you just sort of settle on the thing you know being the metal guy um the metal guy definitely came around like pretty quickly because i know like um i'd probably never be the best at um trying to be something i'm not you know um i I wanted to draw on something as you said which is very similar to me because for me that's very easy to portray I know how to um, turn that side of me up to 11. Yeah, the metal guy was definitely a very, it was an instant click and obviously it fitted quite well. So you've had a few matches being Jack Landers. One of them is what myself and Jimmy reviewed on the podcast. It was back in in Heacham where we had uh, a limitless title match between yourself and Callie Gray and we dubbed that match of the year dot 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 so far we're quite far removed from that match do you remember much from the match can you take us through the match what go through your head did you know it's an instant classic after you finish let us know what you think Jack. well that was like a very um interesting um night in general because obviously we did a limitless tournament to get into that match um i remember having the match with tommy obviously beforehand and i do think that was also a very good match it was a very different type of match obviously um i knew for a fact that i had to um preserve myself a lot going into that match with Cali because we were definitely going to do something crazy which we did so the match with Tommy obviously um, was a very different style of match but that was fun to do you know it gets it's nice to change things up a bit but going into the match with Cali we kind of we knew it would be like a very main event style match we knew we were both going to do some very crazy stuff to try and beat each other. Um, I don't think any of us um, expected it to get the reaction we did. Like, I remember after um, getting my comeback on Cali, I hit the big shooter on him, one, two, kick out. And, you know, I look like, no, how did, that, how did I not get that? And I just remember hearing the crowd and thinking, they're really into us. Like, I don't think I'd ever had a crowd be 
that into like an actual match. I've had crowds that have really popped when I've won and whatnot, you know, but I've never had a crowd like in the palm of my hand like that. I thought, I don't know how we've done this, but we have absolutely got them. I guess we just had like, you know, we connected with the crowd really well. You know, both of us again, were doing like, we were really pushing ourselves with what we could do physically and that sort of thing. So I think they kind of really understood that as well. And it just, every single time, it just kept building and building. You know, I'd hit something on Cali and he'd kick out and the crowd was there. Then Cali would get something back on me and pay me and the crowd's like coming up and up and up. Or I remember hitting like um, the big acai moonsault to the outside and like selling out to the crowd off that. And I thought, Jesus Christ, this is insane. Like this, I thought the building was going to start falling down. They were so loud. <laughs> and again, even like, with the um the thing at the end where Callie had beaten me by cheating and then Jim goes, you know, no, we're restarting the match. And I was like, oh, thank God, we've still, still got them because the crowd, when they heard that, came up even more. I get somehow get it back and Callie hit the finish, one, two, three. And I was like, first thing I thought was, Jesus Christ, thanks, that's, that's over because that was tiring. That was, you know, <laughs> that was a... How long did that match go? Like 20 minutes? Something must like that, have, you yeah, know. Must have been, yeah. Including all the stuff at the end. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like probably even up to 25. So, you know, especially for FSW standards, a very long match. Like, I'm thinking, oh, thank God that's over. But sitting there thinking, yeah, that was that was a lot better than I expected it to be, definitely. That was um, I really I I knew obviously like going in there, me and Callie always do some crazy stuff. They're usually really good matches. So I thought, you know, it'll be like that, but I never expected it to be so good that we would move on to another match per se, a rematch. Yeah, definitely. It was a pretty crazy night. It was. And you touched on there, like your your planning of the match was was so well thought out because you didn't start off all guns blazing. You built up and you built up. And I think that was the key to the match because the match had a built-in story. Like you said, we had the Limitless Tournament. We had different things going in. Like Callie obviously beat um, Clarence by cheating. There was that element in there. Obviously, Callie was a more kind of vicious character that evening. He's got the crowd hating him. The crowd want you to beat him. The, the title's on the line. There's all these different sort of factors going into it. But like it could have easily have gone wrong. You could have gone out there and, and done the wrong moves in the wrong positions. You know, you could have started off the match, give him a leg sweep and then a shooting star press and people would have popped. But because you did that later on in the match and it meant so much more that when you hit that shooting star press and you got that big pop and people were on their feet, you know, chanting, this is awesome. And then you were like, well, where do we go from there? You went even bigger. You did a big moonsault to the outside. And then where do you go from there? You obviously had in mind that you were going to finish it with, with the biggest move in your arsenal, which is sort of the Phoenix splash right now and like when that hit right now. You, you nailed yeah right now because I, I know you always push the envelope but like when that hit you nailed Cali people were with you standing on their feet yeah it was just a it was just a really really good sort of feeling across the board we sent people home happy it was in a town that we don't run very often once or twice a year probably the wrestling fans there you might have noticed that there wasn't all sort of super hardcore wrestling fans there was people there on their Hindus there was people there just sort of from the village obviously there were a few sort of um, hardcore fans in the crowd as well but that mixture there in that building at that time when you hit that like the, it just erupted and like I can imagine that's a really good feeling right totally and like that shocked me as well you know as you said like there was a lot of different audience members in the crowd obviously you know there's the hardcore audience and they always you know really pop for the 
fast-paced, athletic, work-rate stuff. But like the fact that even the casual audience were enjoying it as well, just as much was like, that's a, that's a really impressive thing to me. Cause it's like, you know, usually like you either get one or the other. So to get both was like really massive to me. That was quite special almost, I'd say, just to have that sort of reaction from both sides. You know, that's when you know that I've done the job well. You you did. You did the job amazingly. We we spoke about it on the podcast. There was rave reviews. People were talking about it online. It was just it was just an awesome, awesome way to end that show. But then there was, you know, some heavy burden on yours and Callie's shoulder because after that you won the title. We had Linsport coming up in a couple of months and I think the pl- the plan was sort of set straight away, wasn't it, to to have Landers Grey match number two. Um, how did that feel, having that kind of pressure on your shoulders? To be honest, like, I don't think I've ever gone into a match with, like, that much pressure. Like, I've done some matches before and I've, there's definitely been matches where um, I've felt the pressure. Like, I always said, like, a really good example was... um. I think Jim's talked about this match before on the podcast. Uh, me and Danny Boy Collins, like I remember absolutely being petrified before that match. But I've never have a, had a match which has built up in pressure like and have that amount of build up to it. Straight after um, August, you know, Callie got back in the ring, challenged me for the belt. We put it down, put it to paper and said like, okay, this is happening now. Like, And all those months of building up and all those months as well of thinking, you know, what can I do to top last time? You know, because I kind of, I kind of thought, okay, I've got to do something. I've got to, you know, take it to the next level because it's Lynn sport, you know, it's our biggest show. It's our mania, so to say. So you really want to give it that top performance. Like there definitely was a lot of pressure for me going into that match, but I don't think I crumbled. <laughs> I'd like to hope not. <laughs> uh, I think anybody that was there at Decade of Destruction and saw you guys uh, in, in the ring, uh, you know, at Linspot, I don't think they would say you crumbled at all. I think you guys were really smart. You did a few things differently. Um, now we're a couple of weeks removed from Decade of Destruction and the Linsport match. What are your kind of thoughts and feelings on on that match? And do you think it, it lived up to the expectations? I feel like it was a very different type of match. Obviously, you know, we weren't main event this time. So we knew we maybe couldn't do the... Um, the long, like, drawn-out style of match that Heachin was. You know, we've got... CW Davies and Jaden Scar straight after. We can't take their match away from them. So in my eyes, at least, I viewed the match much less of like a main event style match and more of almost like a the cruiserweight match, if that makes sense. I knew that our match has to be the match which is the most visually and physically impressive, but maybe not the most storyline driven, the most emotional. That was the kind of the thoughts going into it thoughts going out of it well i can't remember some of the match to be honest with you um during the match i took um one move it's called like a meteora where basically cali jumped off the top rope and puts his knees to my chest and drives me i'm pretty sure what i did was as i came back i didn't tuck my head properly so as i've hit the canvas i sort of smacked my head back like that and still now I've regained a lot of the memory of the match. Like I can generally remember the whole match now, but I remember finishing the match, you know, having the celebration um, with Cali, raising his arm to the air, shaking his hand and whatnot and going backstage. I get backstage and I'm like, I can't remember any of this match. I can't remember a thing. What happened? Was it good? I literally, I was asking people like, was that a good match? You know, was it, was it entertaining? I can't even remember it. Um, Now 
I can remember the whole match. I can I can recall the spots and whatnot, but I still can't until now recall getting out the ring to sitting down in the locker room. That's gone from my memory forever. I don't think I'll ever get that bit back. But like, I feel like we did deliver in terms of the athleticism and I'm like the high stakes, if that makes sense. We, I think both of us managed to pull some things out of the bag that maybe no one thought we could almost do. You always do, Jack. You always amaze me in the ring, you know, for, for how kind of young you are. But like the wrestling brain that you've got on you at the moment, like you, you guys did stuff in there a rapid pace and you guys fit a lot into that match and there was the match beforehand which was the tag team title match which was myself and Jim in the NLP and you probably knew being sandwiched in between that match and CW Davies versus Jaden Scar I can imagine you were like we need to do something that's sort of slightly different you knew Jim and I were going to come out there it's all going to be crowd work a lot of crowd work crowd work heat you know do a move show out tell the crowd what what's going on whereas you probably thought right okay we're going to go from that and do a complete 180, go in there and just be like, right, from the moment that bell rings, we're going to give you some action. We're going to give you entertainment. We're going to give you some thrills, some spills. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, you got kind of, uh, you got bumped on the noggin there. And I do remember you coming backstage and you sort of, I mean, in the ring, watching as a spectator, I I wouldn't have had a single clue that you, you know, you kind of knocked yourself a little bit silly there. Like I had no clue because it didn't show in the ring. And I watched, you know, bits back after after the show, we were in McDonald's, you know, you were showing me clips, you showed me the meteora where you hit your head and you pop back up. And if, if you knew what happened, you could look at that and go, oh, you look a little bit woozy at that point. And, you know, there's a second gap, whereas obviously you're selling and Callie selling out after just like pinning you or whatever. And you, you know that you probably don't know exactly where you're at that point. But after that, you just get up and you're running like quite complex spots. It's not a case of you just pop back up and you say to Callie, uh, I don't know, I don't know where I am. And he just pops you in a headlock and you stay there for five minutes and go to a finish. Like you then did even more kind of crazier and intricate moves, which is like a testament to your, your talent. And I just remember you coming back and, you know, just being like, oh boys, that was amazing. And then you sort of walked off to the dressing room and then uh, Ricky night rkj comes over and he goes oh he, he can't remember the, end of the match i was like you what i was like was it like the final thing was it was it one move and i thought it might have been the, the sort of the corkscrew moonsault to the outside because i couldn't quite see from where i was i saw you go up to the top rope jump off backwards in this crazy daredevil attempt to to take out cali and i just heard thud on the outside and i was like oh my god what has happened there because the ring was in the way so i just saw you you know spinning sort of in the air 360 degrees in in every which way and so and then you hit the ground and me and your mum were both watching it there and we both went oh my god then you popped up and you were like way and i was like he's alive <laughs> you know i remember uh, specifically thinking that moment i hit the floor and i took a second and i went I'm okay. I'm okay. So I thought the first thing I needed to do was almost show to the crowd that I was all right. Cause I didn't, I didn't want there to be like that. Oh God, is Jack. Okay. Moment. So that's why I thought, okay, pop up, you know, go, yeah. Like G up to the crowd. And luckily I think we kind of, in that moment at least put their doubts to rest well it it did me it kind of i was i was holding my breath at that moment both me and your mum were just sitting there like holding our breath you popped up and i had to look at her eyes and say he's all right he's fine he's just got up he looks fine you know sort of trying to talk to her as like a wrestler if he wasn't fine he wouldn't have popped up with that kind of confidence and gusto but you know little did we know sort of two minutes before that you'd, you'd been knocked a little bit silly and yeah that was just a crazy thing so 
I suppose it's hard to to ask you how that feels, you know, in the ring to have that kind of move and and your head be kind of knocked and you feel a little bit woozy and not really remember the match. I guess it's hard to ask you how that felt because you don't really remember it, really, do you? I can recall it now. I do remember. Um, it's it's one of those things where, like, to me, it felt like all the strength was sapped from my body. If that makes sense, like, I didn't have any pain in my head, so to say. But I remember like trying to pick myself up and I thought I barely got any control of my limbs. Like felt like it was almost like think like, you know, like the nerve like in your brain that sends all the commands to your body and whatnot. It felt like there was like a blockage there or something. Just everything stopped working for a minute or two. Like it was like, oh, God, it, it feels like you're just really weak. That's how it felt to me. Luckily, though. Callie hits like a big series of moves on me. And I remember by the last one thinking like, I physically can't move. And you can see it when I kick out. Like usually I'll try and do like really big kick outs and show to the crowd. Literally the kick out I do is just like, eh, like just about getting my shoulder off the floor. And I remember sitting there at that point and going, okay, just, just breathe. You know, that's like typically what they tell you, don't you? If you're a bit rock, just breathe. So I sat there for a minute, just like head up to the ceiling, just going, just getting breath in and out of me. And luckily by doing that and just giving it a minute or two to sort of get myself recomposed, I was there with it again and managed, as I said, to continue. And after that, I was totally fine. I didn't feel a thing at all about the head. It is a really weird experience. It does like your body just goes completely like weak. It's totally weird. Uh, did Callie know what happened to you in the ring? Did he have to sort of compensate for anything? I really don't know, to be honest. You'd have to ask him. Um, that's something I don't remember. Um, if he didn't know and he gave me a break, like, you know, subtle thanks to him, because, like, if he would have picked me up for something, I think I would have just had to have flopped on him because <laughs> I didn't <laughs> have anything in me. But, yeah, uh, luckily, I think the stars just fell. But I guess maybe Callie was gassed as well and was trying to get his breath back in him gave me a little break and I was like oh thank god I can get myself back to where I need to be now um there was a point in that match and I only actually found out today and it's a little bit of a, a podcast exclusive because you're not really making this kind of public but there was a point in the match and we just touched on it earlier Callie was outside you went to the top rope you did a crazy daredevil manu- maneuver twisting corkscrew moonsault and we did say that you you know hit the ground with a big thud but then you jumped up afterwards to let everybody know what happened but in the recent kind of coming weeks, it has turned out that you have actually sustained a, a little bit of an injury, haven't you? Yeah, a little bit's a bit of an understatement for it, to be honest. So I hit the move, obviously, and I, I pop up and everything feels fine in the moment. I think that the adrenaline was just so high that I hadn't felt what I'd actually done. Um, I get backstage, obviously, I'm putting my gear away and I think, ow, my, my wrist really hurts. Like it felt pretty messed up to be fair but I thought it was just a sprain so I got on with it I knew I had like a um, weekend of shows coming up the next week where I'd be making a lot of money so I wanted to hold out and get those shows out of the way I'm um, fast forward a bit um, my wrist doesn't feel that bad but like it doesn't feel right I've definitely I thought personally I had just sprained it I knew I had done some damage to it um, so I do the weekend of shows. Fast forward again to last week, Tuesday, I walk into hospital to get it checked out by the department, just in my mind at the time, just to confirm that it weren't anything serious. Um, 
I go for an x-ray, sitting there in the room thinking, you know, oh, I'll be fine. And then they tell me that I have done a displacement fracture on my scaphoid bone, which is just underneath your thumb. Yeah, I've done it quite bad. The bone is broken and it is slightly rotated. Um, I'm currently in cast for it, um, waiting to hear back from a hand specialist whether I'll need surgery or not. I'm going to be out the ring for an indefinite amount of time. Um, I don't know how long. It depends on when I get my surgery, if I need it. I imagine I will. It sounded like I really did. But yeah, I <laughs> what felt like it weren't much at the time is a little bit more serious. Yeah, that's obviously like horrible news. And I only found out today and I couldn't believe it because the weekend before I'd actually seen you at a show. We were down in Stockfold. You know, I, I walk up to you like, you're like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, ah, just come, come to support my boy. We're sitting, we're chatting. Uh, you had a little bit of a kind of a wrist guard on. And I was like, oh, speaking to your dad. And I was like, oh, well, what's going up? And, you know, so oh, he's, he's sort of, you know, hurt his wrist. And I thought maybe you'd done it in the previous show because you were working a whole weekend of shows. You'd done the Friday. This was the Saturday. You were going to wrestle on the Sunday as well. So, you know, you're pretty full on. And, you know, we had a little bit of a chat about it. And you were saying, well, I don't really know what it is. And you were sort of showing me how much kind of movement you had in your wrist and like to me I'm not a doctor I don't know anything about wrists or anything but I know like you know if you have only a kind of very limited range of movement on your wrist that probably does mean there's something serious going on but there was only like one way it was like a almost like it was in this sort of the handshake movement that you couldn't really get yeah yeah full so motion. I had like most of the movement in my wrist still you know I could rotate it around i could move it up and down um the only place i did have issue was kind of like say like if you've got your sort of arm in a neutral position like bending it up towards me so i thought at the time you know it was just ligament damage like i had just sprained it a bit and you know it would heal on its own time because with most sprains like that you know you just get splinted and that's it you know just play it safe and whatnot so yeah the bone is very interesting because it can be broken like i've broken it quite badly um it's not like a little fracture or anything it's quite severe but the way the bone is if you break it you've still got most of the movement in your hand but what is quite scary is if it doesn't get treated or even sometimes like say if you're like you know say not the most healthy or whatever and like even if it does get treated sometimes it can turn out that you can get like very long-term complications from it like you know arthritis and the like so i guess in a way i was lucky to get it checked out when i did because you know as much as it sucks right now to know that i'm not going to be able to wrestle probably i've said indefinite but probably around 2022 i hope to get back you do think like okay it's a lot better to be able to come back in 2022 and hopefully get back on it than you know in a few years not even be able to wrestle anymore because i've got i've got no use of my left hand anymore i mean that would be like the very very worst case scenario obviously i know you you're quite a sort of a positive lad i know you're not just going to sit down and you know kind of pile on the pounds over christmas you're going to be still be working hard you know you're going to be kind of thinking about wrestling studying wrestling thinking about your comeback do you have any kind of thoughts roaming around at the moment or are you just kind of focused on right okay this has happened now i need to spend this time whether it's working on other areas of the business whether it's brushing up on promo skills or thinking about different things you can do with your your character your gear like any, anything like that coming to mind yet or are you just still getting over the sort of the shock of, of of this injury um it's a little bit of both like right now i'm just trying to take things a day at a time because it is still like i've not been in cast for long now it is still fairly raw so i am trying to like you know 
get adapted to being in a cast like i'm very lucky that it's not like some massive cast i've still got like i can still move my elbow and stuff so it's not the end of the world um but yeah a lot of it has been just adapting to it so i've not like i've not had a chance to sit down yet and um think about what i'm gonna do um i'm definitely gonna have to do something with the limitless obviously i need to speak to kind of you know fsw management about that and figure out what we want to do with the belt from now on but obviously something's gonna have to happen there i just hope that when i kind of you know know about what i've got to do i can just get on the road to recovery because as you said like you know I am quite a positive person. I don't, something I hate about like injuries like this, where you've just got to like sit there. I hate that. I hate having to just sit there and just let it rest and recover that I'd much rather be like, you know, rehabbing it in the gym and just trying to get the strength back to it now. But again, as I said, you know, it's better now to rest a bit and realize that it don't go on forever than, I said mess it up even more do you think you'll be uh, sort of sticking around the shows seeing the boys kind of hanging out because it's always you know it's always a really positive thing to have you in the dressing room and you know kind of we we often sort of talk about bits and bobs wrestling and music and stuff like are you going to kind of kick around the the locker room or are you going to shut oh. yourself away <laughs> oh god no i'm not shutting myself away that sucks man i don't want to do anything like that i'm i'm still trying to do you know whatever i can i definitely like if any of the fans are listening to this right now i definitely will still be about with the shows um i may not be able to do autographs anymore because i'm left-handed and that's the one i've done so i'm sorry if you want an autograph but i definitely will still be about you know i'll do whatever i can to keep myself invested with the sh- shows and keep myself uh and i guess like in the fed you call it an on-screen personality or whatever um and like just do whatever i can to make sure i'm living life as normal as i can and and recovering as quick as i can you know like stay in the gym and do what i can do you know i ain't got use of one of my arms but i can still train my legs i can still do my cardio you know whatever i can do i will still do it and hopefully i'll find something i can do on the shows you know that keeps me regular i could try emceeing but i'd probably lose my voice by the third match um so we'll put that one on the drawing board but definitely i'll still be about i'll still do my best to be there and do the best i can Hey guys, PVC here for a quick interruption. Falling Star Wrestling are live on Saturday 13th of November at the Wesleyan Sports and Social Club. Doors at 6.30 with the action starting at 7.30. Then on the 20th we invade Swanton Morley with our last show ending the year on the 11th of December at the Wesleyan Sports and Social Club again. Find out all of our dates and show information on our Facebook page at Falling Star Wrestling. Now back to the show. We were talking off air a little bit, you know, the, the limitless title, everybody wants to have it and hold it. And it's it's an opportunity to show who you are. But we do have a little bit of an inkling that it could be slightly cursed. I swear to God, it is like I, I, I was thinking about this. So I have won that belt twice now. And every time I've won that belt, I've injured myself. You hold the belt and blew your knee out. Um, If you remember when Charlie held the belt, he was it. It was his chest, weren't he? he tore his pec. Um, he did that with the belt. There's, there's got to be something going on with this belt. Um, so there must be some sort of thing going on. Maybe Furio cursed it. He's, he's held the belt and never got injured. Must be him. Yeah, he, he, would, can pro- he can he probably was the longest reigning sport. falling star limitless champion as well, wasn't he? He is. Yeah. So he had plenty of time with that. He could put some like crazy vampire voodoo curses on that. But, oh, that's it. Got it. Ah, oh, it all makes sense now. Oh, that's just God, another reason yeah. to hate him. 
just another reason. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, Furio. First you take my wins, now you take my belt. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I remember when when I did it, for, for me as well, because I didn't want to sort of stay away from wrestling. So I always kind of came to the shows as much as I could and, and help out in any way. And I had a sort of a memory pop up on Facebook. And uh, it's a shame Jim's not here at the moment to talk about it, because um, it was the night that I had to give up the limits title because I came out to the ring. I had my, yeah, this was a legit injury. I didn't want to kind of kayfabe anything. And I came out with a crutch and, and stuff like that. I did a little promo and gave up the belt. And then Jimmy came out. He was a sort of a heel at the time and he was like well you know it reverts back to the person who had it beforehand so therefore i'm the you know i'm the champion furo comes out and challenges him and then uh you know during the match i think the ref takes a little bit of a bump and i grab the belt and i, and I wallop jimmy over the head with it but <laughs> i didn't sort of so much gimmick it and uh, i just clocked him straight with the straight with the metal part of the the limits title right in the head and i remember after that it was like you stiff bastard but yeah i suppose it's one of those things where like you know you have to give up the belt but it was an opportunity for me to kind of stick around. I was helping out with the music. I was trying to, you know, just stay involved as much as I can. I guess that's what you, what you'll be doing. You you know, you'll come up and you'll you'll be with the boys. And if anyone needs any help, sort of putting their matches together, I know you're very kind of creative and inventive with moves and and putting together a match. So I think it'd be really good. You know, if anybody's stuck and you haven't really got anything to do, I'm sure you'd love to sort of sit down with people and give them a little bit of uh, Landers teaching. Moment. Yeah, totally. Like, and as well, like you know. I, I'm sure we're we're all under no illusions here, but like FSW ain't necessarily the Fed or whatever. You know, we're not a massive promotion, but like I'm sure anyone who like has wrestled or like is it has you know, done anything like that can like relate to. You know, there's always that sense of like home with your home promotion. You know, like as much as it is like a place you know that you first stomping ground it's the place you learn it's also a place where you make a lot of friends that you stick with for a long time you know it's definitely as much as it is a wrestling thing for me now like because you know i do work in a lot a few other places now i am seeing more of the wrestling world like almost to me sometimes like fsw is a social thing because i know i get on with a lot of these guys so well it's nice to see them and that's why that's probably one of the reasons why i will stick about because as much as it is a lot of you guys are my friends you know i want to see you yeah most definitely and that's that's always a lovely thing to do because yeah we we do love wrestling but when you kind of mix it up with your buds and having a good time and laughing and joking and it's sort of being creative with your friends it's it's a super nice feeling but you sort of mentioned there you were kind of getting around at a few different shows you had the pleasure quite recently of wrestling uh, smashing mike now falling star wrestling fans will hopefully know smashing mike he, he did a did a few shows for us he was on the podcast once how was that match i see the mv on online looked like you guys did a lot of stuff um yeah tell us a little bit about that match well first off i would just like to state like smashing mike if you listen to this i absolutely love you you're the, the best human being i know you're amazing <laughs> yeah um it was a really good match obviously like the last time i had wrestled smashing mike it was um just before the lockdown so like i'd had some like experience wrestling him but at the time you know he was still um still finding his way in the business so to speak he was still like a little bit green you know he was learning how the business worked and i think fsw maybe was a good place for him to like pick up some of the tricks of the trade and whatnot but like you know so i'm it was for a company called WrestleForce in um, Newmarket. And I'm stepping into like the ring with him and I'm thinking, okay, I know he's half decent. But like when I got in there with him, I thought, 
this guy has really improved. Like, um, as you said, you watch the MV, like the matches online. If any of you guys want to watch it, it's on, um, if you go on YouTube at WrestleForce TV, you can find it. Jack Landers versus Smashing Mike live at Newmarket, something like that. Um, he has totally come on leaps and bounds as a wrestler. Like he always had, you know, he always had really good charisma, didn't he? You know, there was something about him that really gravitated towards the fans, but his wrestling ability, I believe has really come up since then. And now he's got both those things. You know, he really managed to tango in there with me. Well, it was, I can't really like, you know, maybe a couple really small nitpicky things, but it in general, it was a really, really good match. I couldn't have been happier with it going backstage. Lots of crazy stuff, lots of fun, you know, the crowd loved it. I'm sure we both loved it. I definitely did. I couldn't really complain. I really hope he comes back FSWA soon because he's come on leaps and bounds and I feel like he'd mix up really well with some of our guys now for sure. Yeah, most definitely. And he was at the show that I came to, you know, the other weekend that you were working. And I hadn't seen Mike for quite some time. And in Falling Star Wrestling, you know, he worked predominantly as a heel. So I'd only kind of got to see that side of him. And then I'd never really seen him wrestle as a babyface. And he was, he came out and just, just like you said, just the charisma and the aura that he has about him. Like when he came out and he was just smiling, you know, and interacting with the fans and people just absolutely loved him. So, you know, and I know Falling Star Wrestling is quite sort of babyface heavy, but I would like to see whether Smashing Mike could come into Falling Star and get that kind of level of, you know, adulation and respect from the fans because, like, I, I was sitting there, or I was sort of manning the camera, you know, and I, I wanted to get up and sort of dance with him. He just had so, so much kind of joy about him and it was, it was really good. And his match was like, it was, you know, no offense, like you wrestled on the show, but like his match was was awesome because he was up against another kind of character, and like the crowd work they did together was just, <clears throat> excuse me, was just was just superb, and it was it was nice to see him go in there and actually want to be entertaining whilst also do these really really impressive things, and I think that's something I hope that he would have picked up from working Falling Star Wrestling because that's something Jim likes to sort of drill into people. You, you're there to put on a show, but like you got to think about entertaining the fans first, right? Oh yeah, totally. And that also like that really changes like for what crowd you're working towards. Like, you know, like you hear like the terms like, you know, smart mark crowds and, you know, whatever family crowds and whatnot. Like like you go to one crowd, you know, and they totally like get with you with um like the clapping and whatnot. Like if you look to them and go like, come on guys, they're totally there with you. Like that um our crowds are like a good example of that. Um the crowd for the match you were talking about there was another really good example. You know, it's primarily kids. They just want to, they just want to sit there and like, you know, laugh at the bad guys, cheer the good guys and stuff like that. But then like, you'll go to like, say some shows, like, especially like sort of like over 18 shows. So it's like that where it's mainly like adult men. Like if you clap, you'll just get chewed out by them. <laughs> just like, they'll look at you and go, what are you doing? You know? Like, and that's really weird if you've been working a lot of those sort of shows, because it's like, you feel like you're supposed to be clapping and then you go, if I clap, they're going to chew me out. It's really weird. But there you go. So it's the, as we say, it's the mark of a pro in it to be able to work towards any crowd. And I think, as we were saying, we're smashing Mike, he's getting there. And like, I think anyone who can get there has definitely got a good chance, you know, going places. 
Have you had any kind of difficulty with any crowds? You know, you've been on the road a little bit. Have you come across anybody that, that aren't quite gelling with, with the Jack Landers character? Or do you think you've you've learned enough to be able to sort of turn on a dime and be able to entertain them if they're looking for solid wrestling and high-flying ability rather than crowd work? You know, are you able to kind of switch that up? Do you think you're confident in that? I feel like I am now, but that's one of those things that really come with time. Like, I remember when I very, very first like worked for my first outside promotions. Like, this was before I was Jack Landers. Um, you're used to FSW, you know, where everyone knows who you are. It's it's almost comfort wrestling because you know, like, that you're going to go out there, you're going to strike your pose, and they'll instantly pop for you. There's no question about it. But you, like, go to another promotion for the first time, you do the same thing, and they're not there with you. And you think, oh, Jesus, you know, they don't like me. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to being liked. But, yeah, like, that's one of those things you learn with time. Like, I feel like now I can sort of – I can – half gauge what the reaction of a crowd is going to be before I go out there. And then you can kind of tailor how you present yourself to that. Like you said, like if you're working, say like, I don't know, um, some like over 18, like, you know, mainly like just drunk men show, like, you know, you change the character up a bit. You're a bit more mature. You're a bit more like hardcore maybe per se, or you're a bit more like just more pure wrestling. But if I'm, if you're going in there with like a family crowd, you go, okay, I need to clap tonight. I need to do a lot of clapping. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that like you just learn from like experience. Now, I don't want to keep touching on it because I know it's a bit of a sore subject, but the the injury you've got right now, do you think you know, is that going to change your style? Are you still going to be as sort of thrilling and dynamic and daredevilish as you once were before? Or do you think that now, you know, you've had a few injuries in the past, especially with like wrists and arms and stuff like that, are you going to change tact or are you just going to be like effort i'm jack landers bro i'm I'm gonna do what i do um probably more of the latter like i'm one of those people where like i'll I'll tell myself beforehand like okay tonight i'm gonna take it easy i'm not gonna push it too much and then i find myself doing a moonsault off the top rope again i don't think like i'll change my style really like because i'd love doing that style as much as it is more high risk um and there's ways you can do it as well like if if you know if there's not cameras there or whatever there's ways you can sort of still portray that and maybe not risk it as much but i do hope that i'll still you know i'll go back in there and my first move will probably be a dive off the top rope knowing me just just to get <laughs> like you know like um i remember on like an older podcast you were saying you know like first match back for you like from injury like you know, one of the things you do is an up and over or whatever, just to, you know, see if you can still do it, see if you're good. So I'll probably end up doing something similar. The match will start and I'll just dive straight out of the ring and go, yep, I'm all right. It must have been an accident. <laughs> but mine was a simple up and over. I don't need to go out there and do another corkscrew moonsault off the top rope to the outside again, mate. Like- in, in, in all fairness, like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, like that was a one-time mistake. I felt it as I did it. Like, I jumped and, like, I don't know why I jumped that way, but like I didn't jump out like outwards enough. I just kind of threw myself up. I felt it as I did it. Um, like as I was in the air, I thought I've not jumped properly, but like it was one of those things that I ain't got time to like, because it's so quick up there that it's just like by the time you've realized it, you're already there. But I think that it was definitely, that was a, a like a one-time mistake. I know that, I might not do it for every show because, as you said, it is a very high-risk dive. Like, But I think I 
could still do it and it would be fine i feel like that was just a one-time mistake i know you as a wrestler like you're very well versed in sort of all things wrestling you can adapt to different styles because like you're a very good mat based wrestler you're a very good technical wrestler you can do the high flying stuff and that works really well for you because that sets you apart from quite a lot of the the falling star wrestling roster like not many people can do the things that you can do so like i can see from your point of view like you want to kind of keep those in your arsenal but like i think it's good for you because you can wrestle a main event star we saw that you know against Cali. you can wrestle a technical match which we've seen against tommy you know you can wrestle sort of almost like a, a, a lucha match you could wrestle a map based match you could probably not go to the top rope and still thrill people because you're kind of that diverse is there anything in your arsenal that you think you're probably not as well versed in and and you'd like to improve on um, yeah, anything that isn't wrestling. <laughs> like, um, if if I if I'm like reflecting on myself, like self, like um, retrospectively at the moment, I'd definitely say like the things that I would like to improve on is just like my confidence and speaking in the ring and stuff like that. That's probably where I like flander the most. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think like wrestling wise, you know, we can always we can always look back and go like you know there's little technical things where we go yeah i could probably could have done that better i probably could have done that in a different way or you know even down to maybe i could have just moved a bit differently here and it would have been smoother but like i think like again for me and i i would like to think it's something i'm taking steps in now but like something i really like to work on is just getting like the other side of wrestling you know like hammered up because like I'm sure, like, for anyone who watched, like, the Attitude Era and stuff, like, for example, like, you think The Rock, the, he was probably more known for his ability to speak than his wrestling, and that just shows, like, how big that sort of stuff can be. So, like, if there's anything I need to work on, it's probably that sort of thing, you know? But, like, you're not you're not shy about actually attempting that sort of stuff because you've put promos on your, you know, your Instagram and your Facebook page. You've cut promos in, in the ring at Falling Star Wrestling. So I like the fact that you know that that's a weakness that you've got, but you're not afraid to sort of put yourself out there. And you're like, well, you know what you did right, you know what you did wrong, and you can kind of work on that. And I suppose it's the same as being in the ring. If somebody teaches you how to put on a hold or p- perform a manoeuvre and you don't quite pull it off the first time, you can kind of learn from those mistakes, cinch it in better the next time, or slam it or pop it you know better the next time so um given time and you know with with this injury like there's probably going to be plenty of time for you for you to hold a microphone i think you know you could probably sort of push forward in that promo game and like i think people listening to this podcast won't won't think of you as somebody that can't talk because like you've come on here you sound confident you're happy to be here you know you you're stringing a sentence together you're not just kind of like crumbling under the pressure so like i don't think you should put yourself down too much mate yeah, well, I'll just have to become the next Brian Pillman, you know, like when he left um, WCW, I'll just start cutting some crazy promos and I'll figure out something from there. Yeah, something I remember hearing is just like, sometimes if you want to like make a weakness your strength, you've just got to go at it like full pace. And that's like something I've been trying to carry into like the things I think are weaknesses. Like if you shy away from them, and this is like the same for anything in life. If you shy away from your weaknesses, they'll they'll stay weaknesses forever. And they might even become even worse for you because you build that mental block around it, don't you? It's like, say, like I know you like you like your skateboarding, for example, on um, PVC. Like, you know, say if you like mess up a trick, sometimes it's better to almost try and do it immediately again than leave it because it gets gets in your head and i think that's the same with anything like for example with me it's like no talking like if i shy away from it i'm never going to get better at it you've 
just got to put yourself in those awkward situations. And if it don't go perfectly, you go, ah, well, there's always next week. I can always give it another go. I can always take another take. Or if it's live, it's live. Um, That is what it is. But there's always the next show. Like you just learn from it. You just take what you could have done better and you think, okay, try and do that in the next one. And then it slowly becomes a strength after a while. Mate, how old are you? 17? Going yep, on 18? 17. You got the you got the wise head of a 36-year-old, mate. It's, it's all those <laughs> those are very around, wise words. It's all those years around Jimmy Starr. <laughs> uh, well, at least he's rubbing off you in a positive way. You, yeah. you haven't picked up any of his, any his negative things. Sorry, Jim, if you are listening, mate. But, uh, you know, what you said there is 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 brilliant. And, you know, that, that does ring true to me. Like you said, with the skateboarding and stuff, you can do 10 tricks in a row and nail them. You, you, you mess one up and you, sometimes you just need to be like, right, I'm going to go at it again. I need to do it. I need to do it. Kind of overcome that fear and just get through it. Obviously, it's different in different aspects. You can't go out there and cut a promo and then immediately go back and be like, oh, I need to do it again. You can't go back out on a live show and just be like, right, guys, we're going to do that again. We're going to do it a little bit better. (laughs) Do you remember the Sid Vicious? I'm like, like, and all the skeptics and that. Can can I do it again? It's live, pal. It's just like that, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You you, you know, you can't do that, but you know, you can kind of go back and and work on things again. Now, obviously we we spoke about your, your character, Jack Landers. He's a bit of a rock star, a bit of a metalhead. Like, do you think you could somehow involve that into your promos because a lot of people their promos kind of come from their character whether you're you know a snarling heel you're not necessarily going to go out there and sort of speak eloquently and say long words unless you're a kind of a Chris Jericho egomaniacal kind of character but like you're kind of like a raw ball bundle of energy and sort of fire like do you think that might hamper you or or give you a bit of an advantage going into promos it's one of those things that like i've really had to think about because like when you think of rock stars there's many different types and um i've tried many different things but like what i'm trying to do now and i feel like it is probably the right thing to do is just look at like rock stars that carry that sort of energy like you know like the famous front men you know i'm trying to think of like some good examples off my head like you know guys like i don't know axel rose is a good example someone you know who's an absolute enigma it's just it's like looking at what they do like that makes them such an enigma and then just taking that and doing it for myself you know like that's what i've tried to do um i don't know if it's working yet i know there's been some times where i've looked back at like a promo whatever and i've gone okay that's hit the mark and then like I look at another promo and I go, eh, probably could have said that different. I'm not really portraying myself how I want to. But again, as I said, it's just about learning and it. You just you figure out what don't work and you move on from there. Exactly. It's all sort of muscle memory, you know, even with even with this podcast, like the first couple of episodes might be a little bit clunky, a little bit not quite sure. You're sort of figuring it out. You're trying to find your voice, trying to find your rhythm. Like you probably don't quite know what your voice is yet but you can work on that you know you don't know whether you're going to be an all and out kind of you know a, a Corey Taylor and you're going to go out there and sort of be more kind of throaty and aggressive and and that kind of thing or you're going to be more sort of I don't know flamboyant like a you know sort of <laughs> a, a, another rock star that might be like you said sort of an Axel Rose I, I feel of him is quite sort of confident but almost like sort of flamboyant but he's very different to something else or you're going to be out there and just be a, a a total monster like i guess you kind of have to find your voice first and then those things will will join up afterwards do you have any kind of inspiration for sort of front man you mentioned axel rose there but like you got any kind of front men that you would like to model yourself from oh lord um 
I do take a lot of inspiration from like a lot of like um, front men and whatnot. Um, most of them probably the viewers here would have never heard of, but I'll, <laughs> I'll list like a couple off. And if anyone knows them, I don't know, shoot me a DM, DM and say like, oh, I know that band and I'll be like, yeah, get in. Um, some of the guys I look at a lot for inspiration. Um, Corey Taylor's one of them. That's their slip. Um, as you it? mentioned, um, Till Lindemann is one quite a lot. The lead singer of Ramstein. Um, Here's a bit more of an obscure one. Keo from Dur and Grey, if you know them. I take a, I look at a lot of their stuff and take inspiration from that. They're probably the three that, like, at the moment, I look the most at. Because um, I feel like all of them have something unique about them. And I think that it rings very true for wrestling as well. Like, the most, the best promos and the best speakers and all that are probably the ones that have something a little bit unique about them. Like, for example, I don't know, Jake Snake Roberts, you know. You listen to that guy speak and you know instantly who you're listening to. That's just as an example off my head. No, that's, that's, that's perfect. And you mentioned a couple of sort of, you know, front men rock stars there. And they've all got something unique, like you said. They've almost almost got like a wrestling gimmick. Like you could kind of transpose, you know, a Corey Taylor from, you know, main headlining download festival or whatever you know train him up a little bit and he comes into the, the falling star wrestling he's got the mask on he looks well creepy <laughs> got the boiler suit and stuff like that mm. he could come out and be you know a wrestler like till lindemann from from rammstein like he has such a kind of confidence and aura about him like we talked about it on the podcast before like we went to see rammstein live and the guy didn't speak during the whole show. The only thing he said was Dankeschön at the end because they're obviously sort of German. Like, he didn't need to G up the crowd. He didn't need to kind of go on these long rambling things where he's talking about, oh, it's great to be here in, you know, insert city name and then the crowd pops. Like, all he did, he stood up there. He was confident. He had all these kind of like little tricks and gimmicks and, and fire breathing and all that kind of craziness. But like, he didn't need to, he didn't need to talk because maybe that's not his strong point. But his strong point is just being up there and just being a focal point for people to look at and be like boy this guy is cool well um quite funnily like you say that you know he sits there with such confidence like if you listen to interviews about him he's one of the shyest guys you could ever meet he's such a shy person and that's why they do all the pyrotechnic stuff that originally they did like that sort of stuff like where he'd wear the suit and set himself on fire that was so that people weren't looking at him that was so they were looking at the pyrotechnics instead so that's really interesting that you say that but i guess that shows that like sometimes you can find ways of getting around like things that may be a weaknesses and eventually they don't bother you anymore that is a really i guess that's a good example of that sort of thing yeah we talk about it all the time in wrestling and especially on tv with like wwe AEW, whoever you're going to watch like you can tell when somebody is put out there and is exposed you know trying to do those things like talking or whether it's you know trying to do a certain sort of gimmick or whether they want them to do comedy and they're just not very good at it like and i don't know if you sort of follow wwe but like we talk about it here a lot the sort of evolution of roman reigns like before when he was in the shield and they're trying to push him is like this big giant baby face head of the company they got him out there speaking these awful lines and he can't quite deliver them and he goes up against somebody like john cena who just completely tears him apart you know and everyone's just like boo roman reigns give him a little bit of a repackage cover up those weaknesses accentuate his strengths and now he's the biggest thing and he'll probably be you know the face of the company for the next 10 years and it's like that is an amazing thing to do right oh yeah totally like it just shows that like um you know like in my personal opinion, I mean, this might almost be like quite ironic coming from me, you know, the guy who likes the super fast paced, um, sort of like, you know, hard, like hard bloody, what's it? Work rate. That's the phrase. I forgot it. <laughs> like work rate style wrestling. Like I do think Roman Reigns is 
amazing at the moment. I feel like he really has something going, which is really good. Um, yeah, totally. It's just about finding what's right for you. And obviously he did it. And a lot of sort of like the front men that we mentioned have found that thing like that works for them, whether it's Corey Taylor swearing at the audience or Till Lindemann like setting himself on fire. There's always those things you can find and they'll you can use them to your advantage and make something of it. If I can just ask one thing, Jack, uh, please okay. don't set yourself on fire. I know you like to do crazy things and push the boundaries, but that is one thing I do not want to see you do. Okay. I, I have actually, um, I've never, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it at this level, but for anyone who knows Ramstein, if you've watched their old school performances where, um, they used to perform the song Ramstein, which is quite um, confusing to think of. Ramstein by Ramstein. Till Lindemann always used to come out with like a, a jacket where like he'd hold his arms up like that and it would like set fire. I think, yeah, it was like the material underneath was flame retardant and the material on top was flammable. So it'd go off. I have thought about getting something like that before, but I currently don't have the money. <laughs> <sighs> boy please don't set yourself on fire but speaking about money uh, and before we sort of wrap up the podcast obviously you know we talked about it at length here you're currently on the shelf you got yourself a sort of a broken wrist but i just want to say like we do want to help you earn some money you've got some merch tell us about your merch oh yeah so um <laughs> thanks for the plug-in um i've currently got a fair bit of merch going i've got some eight by tens for sale um they're selling out fast. I actually had a smaller one, but they've already sold out within like a month or two. So make sure you get your hands on them. Um, I've also got two t-shirts going at the moment. Um, one designed by yours truly on the podcast right now, sir, Mr. PVC. Uh, um, I've got, <laughs> yeah. It's the only up. reason I mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put myself up. over. Yeah, hit him up for all your designer needs, PVC. Yeah, I've, and I've <laughs> currently um, got two t-shirts on the um, line, a, um, uh, white Jack Landers spring heeled one and one other. This is a little um, cool reference for you guys if you've never noticed it. Um, another design with um, obviously spring heeled written on it in black that um, is actually based off um, Fear of the Dark by Iron Maiden, if you want to know. Um, yeah, check them out at um, any show you're at where I'm at. And hopefully I'll sort out something like a big cartel soon. When I do, I'll obviously like plaster it everywhere. Have a look and then you'll be able to order them online. Can they contact you on sort of Facebook or Instagram? What's your what's your handles? Yeah, of course. Um, so my Facebook is Jack Landers and um, my Instagram is, <laughs> that took me a second, Jack underscore Landers 2004. That always takes me a minute because I had to add the dot in later. So I always forget that's there. Right. So everyone go buy, uh, buy, go buy Jack Landers merch and, uh, you know, help him get through this tough time while he's on the shelf and obviously come see us at Falling Star Wrestling Shows. He'll have his t-shirts on sale. You can see the little design that I did for him and, uh, yeah, support your boy Jack Landers. Yeah. Thank you all. Um, thank you for having me on, Sean. It was a um, pleasure, really. It was fun to talk to you. I think it was quite a good podcast, really. Um, I hope the guys enjoy it. Happy to have you, mate. And we always end up talking about metal at the end, don't we? We do. Yeah. <laughs> we should start a, um, second podcast just on the side just about the different metal what's going on at the moment i feel like it get over yeah like wrestling wrestling gimmicks that could be transposed into metal or metal gimmicks that could be transposed into wrestling like we could do some sort of like big old crossover podcast and yeah just talk about music and and, and fighting i, I was going to suggest kiss but the kiss demon already exists from our wrestling historians and before we end, so you, you spoke earlier about your wrestling name sort of coming from a generator and then your, you know, your Landers character coming from 
another rock star. So my original character of Sean Simmons was was devised by Jimmy Starr because he looked at me and thought rock star, and obviously Gene Simmons. He was like, ah, oh, oh, Sean really? Simmons. So there's a little bit of a link there. So uh, yeah, that's that's where that kind of came from. And then the Sean Simmons character didn't really go in that kind of metal or rock orientated thing. He just went to be a bit of a pompous prick with hairspray. But that's uh, <laughs> all good. It's all history. And then uh, yeah, that's how we got got to PVC. So thank you so much for coming on, Jack. I really appreciate. it. It's always great to talk to you. And uh, I guess I'll see you on Saturday. Uh, give you a big old hug and uh, yeah, try not to shake your hand too violently. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for having me on, man. I'll see all you guys Saturday. Stay safe. Keep well. Um, rock on thank you Jack for joining us on the podcast this week something a little different from the norm thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show today if you did and you've yet to subscribe to the podcast then why not it's free find us on Spotify as well as Apple and Google podcasts if you have a spare five minutes please leave us a review for the podcast it really helps support the show For all updates, images and announcements, find Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Falling Star Wrestling. Go give our guest a follow too. It's Jack Landers on Facebook and on Instagram. It's at Jack.Landers2004. Finally, at PVC Pro Wrestler is where you can find yours truly. Thanks for checking out the show. We hope to see you this Saturday at West Lynn for our giant 5-on-5 Survivor Series style match. If not, we'll catch you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. See you later. Yeah, man, that was good. Job done.